that equation looks like. But if you've got the body of a Kyler Murray <laughs> and the work ethic of a Russell Wilson, this, and that will equal a Tom Brady, as even not, though both of them play entirely different games to Tom Brady. The, the, Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. We've got COVID outbreaks. We've got two titans going against each other on Monday Night Football. We've got an awful lot to talk about. So, hey, we got Connor here. We've also got Ronan. Hello. And we've got Sean. Hello. Our special guest. We're down in Sean's lovely new house. Casa de Butler. Casa del Butler. Suburbia. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all down in Cork this time around. Again, I'm, I'm in Cork again. I know, I know. Yeah. COVID, I shouldn't be doing this traveling, but it's it's for the for the good of the podcast. And uh an excuse to drink some beers. Uh, so how are we all getting on, that? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. It's uh, four or five months into into COVID now and uh, been living in this house for about five months. <laughs> <laughs> COVID <laughs> paid for this house. <laughs> it feels like uh, about five years, but also feels like about a week. Yeah, very exciting. It's lovely now. We're all just kind of getting, we just got our tour kind of MTV crib style. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lovely set of bricks here. How is yourself? Fitz, how is all with yourself? Ah, same old, same old, tipping away at the old uh, statistics mines and the research. But uh, yeah, enjoying Sean's gaff. It's very nice. And uh, I think the only thing we haven't seen is the cat, which I think She's, is hiding. Yeah, hiding under the bed. Yeah. Which she will do for the next two days. Cat has a, a strong sense that other people are not welcome in the house. So uh, we will be infringing on that for the next uh, day or two. So I suppose we should swing on into it because there's a lot happening in the NFL at the moment. It's a good thing we're a little bit later recording because some stuff is just breaking at the moment for us. So... We'll start with the big news. Tennessee have had to shut down their team facilities as three players and five team personnel have been tested COVID-19 positive. Uh, Minnesota also have to close their facilities for cleaning and testing uh, because they played Tennessee in week three. Big news for the league because up until now, we'd only had for about one, one player, cornerback for Atlanta, AJ Terrell, had been tested since the start of the season as positive. Yeah, this is an interesting one. It's all kind of in flux at the moment. The NFL have issued statements to say, that those teams and uh, their opponents for the next week should be prepared for the potential for the games not to be played. Although statements have been made from a couple of those teams to say they're preparing as if the games are going ahead, which, yeah. to be honest, just kind of makes sense to a certain extent. The worry is obviously that if this does cause a bit of an outbreak, that this might be a kind of a shutdown for a week or two kind of situation. It's all up in the air. I'd, I'd imagine... Because the amount of money and cleaning and and, and and protocols that are in place, this will be quite manageable for the NFL. But it is, I suppose, the first we've seen of this kind of potentially impacting the season as a whole. So are we worried? Yeah. like Now, my understanding is that they're going to shut down Tennessee till Saturday, basically all remote, basically it was during mm-hmm. the outbreak. Minnesota's shut down for two days at least. And obviously they're going to test everyone thoroughly and mm-hmm. shut everything, clean the whole place down and all that kind of stuff. So... You know, Pittsburghers who have Tennessee have up next, they're saying they're preparing for it. So Pittsburgh are a dirty team anyway, so they get kind of used to it. But um, yeah, like, look, AJ Terrell was the first player to get it. They were able to isolate them. And they obviously have all these little, like you saw on Hard Knocks, they all have a little like, tracker on their wrist. So they know who the close contacts are, who they can test first, basically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they have invested a lot of efforts, but this is obviously the first huge test for their system. Obviously, they'll do everything in their power to make a, make a game go ahead. But uh, once we know who these players are and once we know how to spread further, it'll be very interesting to see what kind of game we might see if we see one with Tennessee involved this week. 
Yeah, and obviously there's also a secondary one as well. It's a bit lower down that Las Vegas is currently under investigation for allowing unauthorized personnel into the locker room after their Monday night football win over New Orleans yeah. last week. Yeah. Uh, John Gruden was one of the coaches who got fined for not having a mask, wearing his mask inappropriately. Yeah. So like, it's like Sean, like I think Connor is of the opinion you think the season is more or less going to go okay. I think it's going to go. Whereas fine. I've kind of said I, I like, or certainly before the season, I was kind of saying it's going to get cancelled. I don't know if you where you kind of lie and is I, this season going to go ahead the whole way to the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, I, I think this is. I mean, I think you're right in saying that this is the first major test that they're facing. I think it was inevitable given the sheer levels of the virus in America as we've seen in baseball and to a lesser extent in basketball, these outbreaks are going to happen. It's how they respond to that. Once games start being cancelled, the schedule, there's a bit of flexibility in it. So I'm, I'm optimistic so far. This is, we've gotten to week four and this is the first kind of major problem and they seem to have the right protocols in place and they seem to have flexibility in the schedule. So I would be optimistic that they would keep going. I think the problem, I guess, comes if they start having multiple teams with multiple mm-hmm. issues on multiple weeks, and there's only so much flexibility the schedule can handle. So for now, I mean, I I would be a step below worried at the moment. I, I would be slightly concerned, but I'm not panicking yet about the future of this season at all. No, of course. And I think we mentioned this on the off-season podcast that they essentially have space to extend the season by four weeks or thereabouts. So they could insert additional kind of bye weeks, but the bye weeks would be used to play the games that had to be cancelled uh, during this. Or even... It'll be pushing the playoffs, I assume. Yeah, we'll be pushing the playoffs back. Uh, So you'd have have regular season games into mid-January. And also potentially if there was a large number, what they might do to ensure fairness within the league that they might actually just cancel a week's worth of games and move them or something. We really don't want the Jets to get a load of it because then there's going to be like three Jets games to close out the season. (laughs) There is this argument that, I mean, what they did in the NBA was essentially cut every team that wasn't going to make the playoffs. I mean, is there a point at which is, is a team like the Jets in week 11 they have an outbreak. We just like, to hell with them. We have to reassign the team at the same time. Like, yeah, like yeah. do a full brand. On it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting because I suppose it then, it then becomes a problem of again, as you said, scheduling of if does that mean that that we just wipe off the wins people had against <laughs> the Jets earlier and just give everyone later on a win against them or something like that? Oh, uh, yeah, everyone gets a win against the Jets. So <laughs> that's uh, that does look how, does look like how the season's Ooh. going. Injuries, I suppose the big one we'll talk about is uh, Chicago running back Terry Cohen has torn his ACL and he's gone for the season. This came after a tackle on a fair catch, if I remember correctly. Uh, Look, it's bad for Cohen, uh, but on the plus side, he did just get paid, so he's not completely stuck out in the dark. He has some money to provide himself. Look, it's it's an intriguing, as I said, we'll discuss it when we get to the games. This is a Chicago team that I don't think anyone would have, any of us would have picked them to be 3 0 at this point. Because, like, Uh, there's something inside me going, no, this team isn't relevant, but no, they are. They're 3-0. and They're mm-hmm. joint top with uh, Green Bay Packers in the NFC North. And with the 7C, like with the additional playoff team, like you could easily go 9-7 and seven and make it. And if you have three wins, you're obviously doing well. But yeah, yeah, without Cohen, it obviously makes their attack a little less dynamic. But I think, you know, the bread, they've obviously brought in Big Dick Nick this week. And I think he's more of a downfield type of guy anyway. So yeah. maybe the reorder, like obviously David Montgomery will get more reps, but uh, maybe more emphasis on Alan Robinson and Anthony Miller and a few of the other guys. And 
yeah, I have no idea what she like. I don't know how they're three, you know, but uh, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> no, plus, I, like, I imagine that to a certain extent, and no offense to Chicago fans, but you know what my thoughts on, on Trubisky was. Maybe some of the training wheels can come off this offense now that Nick is in place and yeah. they can actually do something. Well, he's got his own balance, you know. He's he never going to fall over. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> and to be fair, he's had success in, because uh, obviously their coach comes from the retree and Nick found his success yeah. in, in Eagles country under more of the read coaching tree so maybe there'll be some connective tissue there uh, that might be able to help it other we'll just fly through the couple of the other injuries because there's nothing that's too long term in this Tampa Bay wide receiver Chris Godwin has done his hamstring so it's one to three weeks expect an uptick for uh, some of the other wide receivers there Chase Young has injured his groin and he's week to week in Washington uh, Jamal Adams the safety for Seattle Seahawks has injured his groin he's week to week and uh, Chris Carson after the MRI scan his knee is just a knee sprain so yeah, he's week to week grade one yeah, it does. Yeah, but also to be fair, you're facing what Miami and the Vikings, and yeah. then you have a bye week. So who cares? That'll be two wins anyway. <laughs> Philadelphia is tight end Dallas Goddard is injured his ankle. Uh, he's got for two to six weeks. So yay, less passing options in Philly. And uh, the Chargers have lost Melvin Ingram for a short term IR. So that can now be just as little as three weeks this year because of the shortened boomerang thing. And cornerback uh, Chris Harris Jr. has injured his foot and he's gone for four to six weeks. So look, this is an interesting one. I think the Tampa Bay one is interesting because. Godwin played well in the early games, then he was missing, and you could see that they were using Evans and stuff like that. Yeah. But as soon as Godwin was back in the lineup, he was being targeted an awful lot. Tom Brady obviously has a lot of trust in him, so that's going to be a knock on their offense until he's back in. Like He's trying to make Scotty Miller happen, and Scotty Miller just isn't going to happen. He's actually hurt as well. I think he's going to play through it, though. But like... Yeah, Chris Godwin is the most like Mike Evans is getting like all of the red zone catches. He's getting like, these like touchdowns. He's like mm-hmm. an insane, uh, almost a Jordan Howard level pace. But Chris Godwin, you could tell the two like the time he's played already with Tom Brady. He's the one who works those kind of intermediate and deep routes. And Tom trusted him already. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, you're relying on Scotty Miller and like Mike Evans, who's a bit less disciplined, and you're kind of going or Gronk maybe, but like he didn't, he doesn't look anyway half the player he, he used to be. So. Do, you see, do you see how happy Gronk was whenever he finally got a target? Yeah. Uh, he got a red zone target that he managed to catch three yards in out the back of the end zone. Yeah. So look, I think Tampa Bay are a solid enough team; they can probably get through yeah. this. But I think Chris Godwin is definitely who they need if they want to be like. Uh, like at the top of the NSC type three uh, of actually seeing as we have you on Sean how does it feel to be watching Tom in a new uniform it's very strange see I, I was always a massive Brady fan and in my mind I was always wondering am I a Pats fan or am I a Brady fan mm-hmm. this is the ultimate test and watching him in a, in a books uniform it's just it's just too strange for me so they, <laughs> they are, they are <laughs> ugly ass uniforms as well now, I have found myself that I'm still a Pats fan that I, I've grown to love um, in the last three weeks mm. it only um, shifts so. the question are you a Pats fan or are you a Belichick fan <laughs> I think I'm, maybe I'm a Belichick yeah. fan yeah, yeah. send I'm. Belichick to the New York Jets <laughs> they tried that it didn't work <laughs> trade him back Washington defensive end obviously Chase Young it's going to be a knock on I think he was your pick for defensive rookie of the year yeah. he's and been playing well and look he's only gone week to week so it's not going to be yeah I think it turned out to be less severe than they expected he was on the sideline in, in his shirt so people were kind of like oh of trouble here so mm. I think it's supposed to be less than the, and then for like Jamal Adams he's obviously playing out of his mind with Seattle and uh, I think with the groin situation they'll probably be cautious with him because that can flare up and with Chris Carson yeah it's very lucky that that like he he that was a dirty move done on him 
where the defender tried to twist his knee and well it was already on the ground at the end of a play so he had a chance to play this week according to Pete Carroll so I don't think it should be serious for him no of course and for the other ones let's be honest Philly you're irrelevant and the Chargers uh, Ingram's a knock to them Chris Harris is a knock to them but like they still need to figure it out they, like, they've still got the quality on that defence yeah. they, can, they can weather this for a bit Tradings and signings uh, the New York Giants who picked up uh, Devonta Freeman the running back he had five carries for 10 yards against San Francisco so it looks like a great signing for them not, I don't want to blame. Like, you know, it's not. It's Saquon Barkley had like what less than twenty yards. In yeah, week one, like, so if, if, if I understand it correctly, I think the Giants have gone through three weeks and they're still at like thirty-seven or forty yards total rushing on the year, which is not yeah. great. Uh, hopefully, look, he's only betting into the system, so we'll see how that goes further down the line. And just a couple of other little miscellaneous bits of news before we get on to the games. Uh, Hall of Famer Chicago running back and kick returner Gail Sayers has died at seventy-seven from complications attached to dementia. He was the youngest ever Hall of Famer at thirty-four. Uh, well known uh, you'd see him on a lot of broadcasts a lot of commentary about him very well liked kind of player uh, so obviously uh, rest in peace himself yeah like he put up ridiculous numbers in quick amount of time like he, he was basically considered like by far the most talented player of his era and unfortunately he had several injuries he, he actually came back from one injury came come back in player of the year but then his career kind of went off the rails pretty quickly after that well again but the statistics that he put up even today are very very impressive no, in this course. short period of time he had yeah, we have to send a big congratulations to the Cleveland Browns, who are over 500 for the first time in, I believe, just over four years, uh, which is so grim. Well done on that. And uh, also just a bit of kind of rumour that's floating around. We haven't got it confirmed from any kind of major source, but uh, there's a lot of rumours floating around that Thursday Night Football, which we'll talk about later on, is the last chance saloon for Adam Gase and the his tenure at the New York Jets. Apparently, they've already been in contact with a number of high-ranking agents about available other coaches. Oh. And if he loses on Thursday Night Football, they are going to shit-can him. And rightly so, because we've been on this since he got signed last year. He is a terrible, terrible coach, and he's running that team into the ground. I was surprised about that bit about agents, because I thought they'd just put in Greg Williams. But I suppose the thing is, even if they put in Greg Williams, they're going to get an offensive... Yeah, yeah, they might get, yeah, they might yeah. get an OC or something like that. Something but, along those lines. Like they're playing crazy. Denver, who don't have a quarterback right now. So if they do lose that, yeah, you're, he deserves it to be able to. He's oh, a terrible coach. 100%, yeah. Uh, he is awful. And just clearly seems we talk about every week, we're like, oh, and here's another player who used to play for Gase and is now fantastic as soon as he moved to a different team. Right, we'll probably talk about some of those players now because we'll look at the games from last week. Okay, so first up on the slate is Thursday Night Football, the meme game that turned out to be not that enjoyable. Miami at Jacksonville, 31-13. to Ronan? Yeah, so if it's Magic, basically had a really, really good start to this game and ended up having a fairly efficient game overall, like 160 yards, two touchdowns, 68 yards in the ground and touchdown, 18 out 20 in terms of that passing. So that's not really what we expect out of Fitzmagic because he's usually someone who's like just slinging around, do mm. whatever, but they got up early and then the Miami defense, which has been pretty bad up to this point, I got four sacks, two takeaways. So I think they're going to be pretty happy that this is the kind of progress they needed after starting 0-2. But of course, they were up against, you know, Jacksonville, who had, you know, 1-1. and People were kind of going, oh, get a feeling. Mm. The Minshew mania again. Um, but he kind of struggled in this game. Only, you know, 275 yards and an interception. At the, like, they didn't have DJ Chark. Yeah, they missing his top wide receiver. Yeah, right. so that definitely had an effect that Keelan Cole and Chris Conley isn't really going to get it done. Like, but And I will say, like, I will say, when I was watching this game, I did feel that, like, Minshew was struggling, but like they were asking him to push the ball a lot yeah. more than they normally would. Like they were playing from behind. I don't entirely, I'm trying to remember, I don't, don't think I was entirely putting the interception on him. I think they were trying to force balls into spots where they yeah. 
like it's, it's, it, like, it, it's a team that's overperformed its expectations so far and it's not surprising to sometimes see a performance like this and I think but one huge positive they got out this year oh, is yeah. they found the, the undrafted free agent rookie uh, James Robinson and he got 129 two touchdowns all purpose like the guy looks like just a really solid, rock solid, like all down. It's almost, back. It's almost like what they wanted Fournette to be. Yeah, and I think in Jay Gruden's system, I think he's just kind of a perfect complement for that scheme. Their defense sucks, so you know it's probably going to be a lot of games like this going forward. Yeah, I can only imagine uh, Tennessee at Minnesota. Uh, the COVID game. <laughs> yeah, thirty-one to thirty. I told you, man. I told you. I just about trust them a little bit more than uh, <laughs> uh So Skazi hit 6-6 six, six on his field goals. Man, that's a fucking turnaround from week one, isn't it? Tennessee overcame the improved Minnesota. Tannehill was okay. 321 yards and an interception. Like, they just went back to the formula that works. Run Henry an awful lot. Two touchdowns, 130 yards, and a couple of big plays. Cousins, like, it's such a cousin stat line. 251 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Basically... Oh, he's a little bit better than average, but he's probably sitting just around that kind of like 14 or 15 range. Uh, Jefferson played really well, 181 yards and touchdown. Cook, 175 and a touchdown. Like, it was going okay, but they had a terrible final drive. Both defenses looked bad. Like, no one looked on point. Although I will say, like, even whenever Minnesota were kind of pushing into them, I just never, and I know I have a thing of just not trusting Minnesota, I just never really felt that they... We're going to be able to close it out. I was like, no, no, no. Like they're going to, they're going to make a mistake here. Like they're going to fuck this up. Yeah, like they kind of got. They're not quite as bad as some other team. Uh, you know, we'll talk about in the moment uh, in terms of their lack of confidence when ahead. But uh, this is their first chance to be ahead, really, this season. You know, they basically played what we know to be the Gary Kubiak offense. Let's run the ball really well. Cook did his job, 175 yards in total. Work on the play action. Adam Thielen was all right, but Justin Jefferson had his uh, had his big breakout game, 181 yards. So this is all play action. This is all Kirk Cousins. But you know, as the second half went along and Tennessee slowly ratcheted their way into this game by running Henry into them and running it up the gut and getting those red zone touchdowns um, that, that that are so important. You know, you can kind of see the confidence going away, and then Cousins is having to you know, there's a bit more pressure to pass the ball on obvious downs as you get into that situation. And then we see the last drive where obviously they have to go for it. And he was absolutely terrible. Now, you know, like his first play just looked completely lost. Then and he had a botched snap on the second. Oh, God, play. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. And at that point, you're like, look, Third and 26, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. There's a handful of quarterbacks who would at least give you, you know, maybe they can do something here. But Kirk Cousins, you're like the opposite. So it came to be, and that Kirk Cousins just looked absolutely lost out there. And I think basically him and Mike Zimmer had a bit of a kind of just saying things past each other in the comments after the game. So I'm not sure about the relationship there. And obviously we know the Minnesota, that's supposed to be a defense first team under Zimmer, and it's not a good defense. All those young players are getting exposed. And yeah, for Tennessee, look, like I, like they're not an amazing team, but they know what they have in Derrick Henry and uh, they know what they have in Tannehill and they apparently know what they have in Kostowski. Fair play to Vrabel for sticking with him after week one. But yeah. uh, we can't dismiss Tennessee because what they did last year. But, you know, we also can't really get too excited for yeah. them. Like this this looks like a return to the Tannehill form that we would be expecting to see more of. Like, yes, he was efficient in the back half of the season last year. But it was, it was like all this chat about him being a top five quarterback at the tail end of it. Maybe the statistics were sitting in but that But the direction. efficiency statistics, efficient. they were so efficient. I know. <laughs> if I pass once and it's completed, I am an incredibly efficient passer. It doesn't mean that I'm a good fucking quarterback. Um, and I think they were surprising teams, whereas now it's a bit more figured out. Like they're still, they're still, a, they're still probably 
contender for their division and they're probably still in the playoffs, but they don't look like a team that's going to run to a championship game like they did last year. Um, next up was a bit of a one-sided affair, San Francisco with the Giants, 36-9. to Look, this is basically the third string team for San Francisco and they still kick the living shit out of the Giants. Mullins had 343 yards and a touchdown. The run game had three touchdowns. Giants couldn't get anything going whatsoever. Danny Dimes just kept having turnovers. He had a forced fumble, an interception, 180 yards. The rushing game, as we mentioned, didn't go anywhere. I think they've got 40-odd yards on the entire season. The season's gone for them. I don't know what to do with them because... Like we say going into this, I don't dislike Danny Dimes as a quarterback, but I just think structurally well, they're all over the shop. They're not providing him with the opportunities to actually succeed. That's almost the worst thing about this team right now. Danny Dimes is probably one of the better things because he, he did a few scrambles and he made a few passes. Like he's still, these turnovers are obviously awful, but the rest of that team is just so goddamn bad. You're kind of like, you just kind of feel bad for him. Um, much but, like uh, one of the other quarterbacks in that uh, town right now. But one of the things that I have to say is like, you look at San Francisco and look, hats off to the coaching. Yeah. It's incredible what they're doing. But it also, it's a big reflection on the quality of the roster in the Giants that they looked at that team and they said, okay, we're missing our top three receiving threats in the two wide receivers in the tight end. And I think their second tight end went down as well. Yeah. We've got our backup quarterback coming in who's not played for us in donkeys and just go, do you know what? I think what we're going to do is we're going to go at them through the air. Like we've got an incredible run game, but no, with our backup quarterback and no receiving options, that's what we're going to attack on them. Like, and they found success. Like you have so many teams looking to find a quarterback that can give them a passable game and they're able to take Nick Mullins on a week's preparation and get 350 near yards out of him. Like it's... Maybe that's a secret because like, you know, if they're all backups, then they're all playing each other on the backup team, on the second team. That's true, I suppose. Yeah, they're essentially trained together. Uh, But yeah, last season for the Giants, San Francisco doing a great job of powering through these injuries and I think like basically it's just about, it's just about schedule management now because they can make their way to the playoffs. It's just about getting some of these players back from injury next up was a bit of a this is such a weird one we'll have a proper chat about this game game. it was a pretty depressing game Cincinnati and Philadelphia 23 to 23 in overtime we have the first tie of the year Philly just give up uh, in overtime so they were trying to kick a 59 yard field goal they had a false start so it went to 64 and instead of attempting the 64 or going for it on fourth down or going for it on fourth down they decided to just kick the punt and give up on the game cowards absolute <laughs> cowards look Wentz looked terrible 290 yards two touchdowns two interceptions and like we said look they are missing a lot of their wide receiving options but I'm not sure Jalen Rhaegar and that is going to really turn this around a huge amount uh, Cincinnati offensive line looked shite. Eight sacks for Burrow. And Burrow, to be fair to him, I was very impressed with like, some of the hits he took and just got back up and was like, no, fuck it, I'm going at it. He had a good good, good line, to be honest. Three, over 300 yards, two touchdowns, 31 of 44. The offensive line is terrible. The defense is terrible. And Joe Mixon is doing what he can, but they need some fucking help trying to do something with that. But yeah, Philadelphia are just circling the toilet bowl. Like, this this is the thing, like, this is, Cincinnati are on the way up because they've got the quarterback and they know they need pieces. They're not a team complete yet. Philadelphia, what the fuck? (laughs) They're just bad at the moment. Like, they brought back Miles Sanders and he was actually okay. But outside of that, they're kind of just, it's it's not just that they're playing bad. They also play a bit listless. Like, even in overtime or late on the game, they look very sluggish. They're kind of like walking back to the huddle, kind of just didn't look like a team that's like, we're still in this game despite playing so bad. Like, they came back into this game. Uh, they looked like a team who was like, oh, God, this is just a lot of work right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if they missed the batteries or something like that. I don't know. Like, that's how they powered up previously. But look, 
this is a situation for Philly like you've only got like your zero zero uh, sorry your zero two and one your half game technically you're only like a half game out from the lead of the division because the <laughs> NFC East <laughs> is so bad <laughs> Like, like Cincinnati they're a very very bad team right now but at least they have something to look forward to for this team in Philly you're not sure what the hell they're going to do right now so what do you make a ties shot I propose that we abolish ties in the NFL okay and I come from I come from this point as a soccer fan as a European from a person as a European from a person whose favourite sport involves about a quarter to a third of the games ending in draw so it's not the concept of a draw that I have a problem with. It's a concept of a draw in American sports. American sports are not about drawing, they're about winning and losing. It makes the the records look weird to have that one at the end. It screws up the division. It's I think one of two things needs to happen. Either they need to play until somebody wins, which is the good American way, right? Mm-hmm. That you play triple overtime if that's what it takes for somebody to score. Or instead of them getting a tie, they should both get a defeat. They should. Um, if you can't beat a team in four quarters plus overtime, you do not deserve anything. I don't. I don't dislike that. Actually, I don't dislike that at all. I, I've never heard the two, the, the two loss theories. Like, yeah, like you didn't win. Yeah. So you don't get a win. You you failed to defeat the opposition. You should therefore get uh, a loss. Especially in this game, the Eagles should be shot for cowardice and have the the, the tie wiped from their record for failures to take. Uh, at field goal. Um, All I'm saying is that if these barbaric Americans were use, willing to use decimal representation of their number of wins, then this would be perfectly fine. I think 0.5, 6.5 is a perfectly fine number over no, of wins. No, no. I, I can't talk about teams <laughs> who go 7, 8, and 1 anymore. And I mean, it's also, and I do think this needs to be pointed out, it's never good teams that tie, right? It's never the Chiefs or the Pats or the Seahawks. It's always the Bengals, right? It's always the Eagles. It's always teams who can't score against other mediocre teams given 10 minutes and the, the, the knowledge that if they do score, they win. Like, if you can't score when you know that your score, like either say a, a touchdown in the first play or a field goal after that, mm-hmm. you know that all you do is score to win the game and you can't do it, then you deserve nothing. I suppose like, this is the thing, like, if we look at this comparison to say, like, the, the, the AFC Championship game two years ago, like, the Chiefs and the and the Pats went to overtime, and we knew whoever won that coin toss, they were going to score. <laughs> that was the teams that can do stuff, and then it's just a matter of time management, really. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, it's, it's actually Sean, you were watching this next game quite closely, uh, as we mentioned. You you've become a big uh, a big Cam fan. Uh, Vegas at New England, twenty to thirty six. New England like kind of looked to handle them quite well, but. Again, it's the third week in a row where they've kind of swapped up the offense. They were very run-heavy with the backs in this one, with both Burkhead and or Michelle having big games. Yeah, no, I thought it was quite an interesting game. I mean, it started off with the Raiders being rather dominant, moving the ball very easily and stopping the Pats' offense from getting anywhere good. Uh, and then suddenly, whatever happened, did Belichick figure it out? Did they, did they suddenly realize what plays worked or not? They As the game went progressively on, the Pats became more and more dominant. By the middle of the third quarter, they were just walking um, away with it. Um, I'm come from this as someone who was very wary about this year as a Pats fan because of the changes, not just the, the Brady for Cam and the fact that you have to rebuild uh, an offense that had been designed one way for, for 15 years, um, also the fact that the defense has lost a number of, of core personnel and given that the elite defense is is the thing that has carried the Pats in the last few years, that was always going to be worried. They're a lot better, especially given they've had no preseason mm-hmm. and this team has come, to, come together 
uh, based on a, a number of regular season games, they are much, much better than I thought they would be. I thought they would be a nine-win team. They're, they're possibly going to win 11 or 12 if they keep this up. Um, Cam is was quiet in this game, passing-wise. He didn't do an awful lot of running. The, the very run-heavy offense this time around. Um, Burkhead especially had a, had a monster game, two, two running touchdowns and a passing touchdown yeah. um, as well. I think the running game is where the strengths of this team are. I don't think there's enough two good wide receivers in Harry and, and Edelman, um, or at least one and a half good wide receivers. Uh, <laughs> not quite sold on, on Harry yet, but he is. Yeah, he does have a lot of questions of that. So there's, there's also there's apparently something in this about uh, I didn't see it myself about uh, Harry having a chat with Cam on the sidelines. Cam falling off his chair after what oh, told yeah, him. They're, they're roommates apparently, and they're, uh, they're getting along well. And this was, oh, this was the, look at look at them getting along well. Look at Cam fitting in. Was the, I would say um, your man Belichick did a great job of taking away the strengths. Because uh, they all say like he takes away what you're good at. Darren Waller, their tight end, is uh, th- him and Jacobs are essentially the, the main parts of this offense. And um, Waller was what two catches for nine yards in the game. Yeah. Like they yeah, showed they were down. both in garbage time. They were both well after the game yeah. had already been decided. Uh, so you're, you're trying to take down Hunter Renfro. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so I, I, the, the Waller thing was interesting because what they were using was essentially a kind of a free floating um, defender to to allow a potential double team, but also having the flexibility to. To knock on the double team they didn't want to. So oh, Waller okay. always looked like he was double was double manned, but there was also the option to, to play other defenses if necessary. I mean, it was very, very Belgian, sophisticated, oh, oh. brilliant stuff. I'm seeing double here. <laughs> four, four defenders. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good win for New England, and uh, we'll talk about them and their upcoming match in the previews of next week's games. Chicago at Atlanta. Oh, God. Fucking Atlanta. 30 to 26. Uh, Chicago come back again as Atlanta give up a 16 point lead in the fourth quarter again. They now hold the record for being the only team to give up those leads in consecutive yeah, like, weeks. They're, they're currently getting a lot of fun at these win probably. Like, like they're, yeah, they were, they were, they were 90. 99.9 last week and then 99.1 this week. I, I, I heard 98, but they had, they yeah. put some they put some waiting on it given how they collapsed the previous week. <laughs> Big news out of this one is probably the benching of uh, Mitch Titties and Foles is now going to get the starting role. He has a pretty good game. Low yardage number is 188, but three touchdowns and an interception. Ryan went to Ridley for 110 in this, but overall, it's just not great. Like, yeah. they missed a field goal. They had seven incompletions. They just looked completely out of sorts. There is something inherently broken in this team that it keeps falling once it gets ahead. They need to just get rid of the coach. They need to restart this because there's you can't be losing when you're up by 15, 18 plus points. But you can be because yeah. they did be. <laughs> it's, it's psychological. I still think they're not over. Oh, they're not. Loss. They're not at I all. Mean, I still think that that is marks this team yeah. as as chokers, and they as soon as big leads start to start to fall away or they start to lose their grip on, on big leads then the, the narrative plays itself out in their head I think and then as always like we've, we've said this a million times this as well but like Dan Quinn was hired to be a defensive coach and their defence is terrible how you give up this many points to a Chicago team let alone like Big Foles is getting thrown in there and he only like he only gets 188 yards with three touchdowns like it's just and look, he played. He played better yeah. than Mitch was playing. I'll give him that. But like, you shouldn't be giving up. Like we joke about that they should. Well, no one would have called for three and zero. They shouldn't be three and zero. But Atlanta shit the bed again. Yeah, and like Fultz, to be fair to Fultz, he was just like slinging it. He would like it was the number of throws he probably could have taken back, including the interception. But he was willing to just go downfield and challenge his defense, and the defense got beat enough times that 
he, he ended up winning this game like and yeah even had a touchdown taken back on the final touchdown drive and he got another touchdown anyway so you kind of see a team here in Atlanta that like let's be fair they were missing Julio Jones they were missing Russell Gage after an early injury like they were probably two of their best receivers and the, that made them over-reliant on Ridley but you know they've had lots of excuses there was no excuse in the Super Bowl there wasn't any excuse last week and yeah. they didn't have those so you're kind of going like you know, you brought in Todd Gurley, he was okay, but you're kind of going like, what is the purpose of this team? And yeah, I think if you say like sometimes psychologically the coach just becomes, because apparently he's very popular, Dan Quinn, with the players. But yeah. Sometimes you just have to wonder that this type of thing involves leadership. And maybe it's a case that like Matt Ryan isn't the leadership type quarterback, but if that is the case, then you need a, you need a coach who can fill in that void for him. And like, yeah, Atlanta... You know they're the saddest zero and three team in the league because yeah, only they should be two and one. And it's only getting worse. And they go into Green Bay on Monday Night Football. <laughs> they're not fucking winning that. I'll say that in advance. Yeah, this is sad times for Atlanta. Big change needed. Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Look, three and zero. Oh, this is the thing. Like, undefeated. Can you imagine? Right, Chicago. I've, I've, I've achieved incredibly. So they're three and zero, oh, and they've managed to bench Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> even though he held them to two and a half of those three wins. Um, yeah, it's, it's remarkable. It's, it's actually working pretty well for Chicago at the moment. Yeah, the Washington football team at Cleveland Browns 20-34. This is just the template of how the Browns are going to play this season, and it's a good move for them. They're going to be a decent but not yeah. world-breaking team. Chubb and Hunt make an excellent one-two punch in that backfield. Chubb had 110 yards. Baker, you know, he had two touchdowns in this game, but it was only 150 yards, nothing else he needed to do. Miles Garrett showed up with two sacks and a forced fumble. Their defense shut down Washington. Haskins is starting to have a lot more questions asked after he had that lovely week one bounce. Like two touchdowns, three interceptions, just about 200 yards. Defense looked weak without Chase uh, once he went out with the injury. Like Cleveland have a solid win here. They kind of have an idea of what they're going to be. But you two can't and two and one, two and one, and you can't really make much of how a team plays against the Washington football teams because they are yeah. barely a football team. And the D line was supposed to be your strength of that Washington team. So the yeah. fact that the, 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 the Browns were able to run over them is probably a good sign that they they can establish this game plan. That no, they, of course. But like we said, like Chubb and Hunter are probably the best combo. Oh, yeah. yeah, that'll that's all we really need to say <laughs> that game. I think uh, Rams at Buffalo, thirty-two to thirty-five. Uh, the Rams overcame a twenty-eight to three position. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. You're kind of all stuck for uh, Lackman. I, 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 I yeah. just can't believe it. Like they were, yeah. They came back from twenty to three. They were and up by four. They still four. fucking lost. Like. Yeah, and they still lost. It, ah, I don't know. <laughs> Alan Allen looked great in this game. Another one where he actually oh. showed that he can that he can actually throw the ball. That he's not just a kind of a runner who occasionally flings a shot. But uh, three hundred eleven yards, four touchdowns, and just one interception. Singletary kind of sees the reins. Five point five per carry on that. Goff looked good in the comeback stuff, and their their offense does kind of work a bit. Cup and Woods work nicely. They're not missing. Was it Cook who was there the previous year and yeah. stuff like that? Like they're working around it, and they definitely seem to feel better now that they don't just have to feed Todd Gurley. They're running, yeah. I think, four or five different backs, mostly three, but like they have other guys who come in and assist. Yep. It's a nice setup for them. It's working for them. Their defense looks a little bit better, but like I still don't trust the Rams team. Like, yeah, they're not the, the perfect team. But I think considering the expectations of them coming into this year, I think they're yeah, very I think, happy. I think, I think I had them winning three games. Like, so. like, I think, as you say, that the offense has kind of changed. They've probably lost, yeah, they lost the kind of like go deep post type of, of, of rights. And mm. they've also, you know, they're a lot less reliant on the running backs. And, you know, they actually had a really good game from uh, Daryl Henderson, another great game over mm-hmm. 100 yards. So I think that backfield by committee where they go with the hot hand, 
probably works a lot better for someone like McVeigh. Probably just works in general in the NFL these days, unless you genuinely have a guy who's on at the peak of his powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Cup and Woods are just kind of solid. They do those they do those crossing routes so well. Yeah. And that's still the core of that offense, but I think they've added because he has that flexibility. It's a lot more impressive. But like the fair, if you get into a 28, 28 and three hole, you know, there's obviously not everything went perfect. And to be fair, on defense, they are very reliant on Aaron Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey being a leech to hold up the rest of that mm-hmm. defense. The, the rest of the defense is not that good. Like Donald had two sacks in this game late on to kind of get them back into this game. And mm-hmm. yeah, you can't why, rely on him forever. Why were they so slow coming out the gate? Because I only kind of, I only was watching bits of this game. Yeah, they just kind of looked a bit out of sorts. It looked like that classic issue where Goff looked a bit confused by the defense that like yeah. uh, McDermott had kind of schemed, schemed up a bit too much and was covering up. Cup, uh, I think Cup and Woods were both held to not very much in the first half. So yeah, I think yeah. it's just one of those cases where they, they, you know, like McVeigh is offensive genius, et cetera, et cetera. He adjusted, and they, and obviously I think Buffalo probably played off a bit more. Yeah, and like half. I said, like the the, the the quality of this defense is less than we were expecting. Yeah. like they have they have holes in it. Um, yeah, I think they they have knocks to both of their linebackers. I think one of their safeties, so maybe they're mm-hmm. paying a little bit hurt. But I think maybe they they kind of or start smelling themselves a bit much and let them in. But like, to be fair, like, like, like Josh Allen looks really good. Like I was talking to you before the podcast about he's made some subtle adjustments to his throwing motion and um, where he's not doing the actual real throwing motion, but he's kind of taking a little hop just so that he makes sure that he doesn't drag his back leg. And that yeah. means that he's actually turning his body and getting the full torque that you're supposed to get, or not the full torque, but more torque than he was getting when he just was a pure arm thrower. But Look, he's great. Great. He's been, you know, he's had over Massive 400, 400 yards last week, 300 yards, four touchdowns this week. Like, and Singletary, you know, I think Zach Moss was missing in this game. He showed that. I don't know why they don't play Singletary more, to be honest. But like, yeah, fair, I think he's a great runner. This is the kind of game where Buffalo are like, okay, you know, this is kind of perfect game to go. Here's things. Look at the tape. Improve upon them, and then thank you, lucky started to go away with it because on the final drive. <laughs> You know, there was, a, there was a couple of great, like there was a really long third down, like a fourth down conversion, uh, sorry, a third down conversion um, that, that, that they shouldn't have gotten. It was in the middle of the field with him throwing across his body. And then on the final, uh, on the on fourth down with the, uh, like in the red zone, he threw a, uh, he threw a ball and they got pass interference. And it wasn't, it was, it was a soft, very soft pass interference. So they got bailed out by the refs there, but to be fair to him, they, he goes in the next play and throws it to Tyler Croft and they win the game. So look like they should have won the game then they shouldn't have won the game but they got in the end so I think for Buffalo considering you know the questions we've always had about Buffalo over the years I think they can be happy enough to be 3-0 and and kind of be confident enough that they can continue to be a power in the AFCs yeah no of course uh, Houston and Pittsburgh 21-28 Pittsburgh defence kind of adjusting blitz pretty well gets five sacks Connor got a good stat line like he's got a good stamina. Actually, he's slow, I, th- I think he's a terrible running back. I think he's. I think he's way too slow. I think they'd be better off putting someone else in. Like they got that rookie guy, they could put him in, uh, or they could, you know, put I think almost anyone else in. They'd be faster. You're just uh, bitter because you like picked up Benny Snell in a couple of fantasy leagues or something. Like no, it's not, I, I picked him up in one league, but no, it's not that. There, it's just genuinely, I do think that Connery is possibly the slowest runner. I think. Yeah. I think he sat there and he watched Lev Bell for a couple of years. He go, oh, sure, he takes his time and he waits till the blocks are set. And it's like, well, that's because he has vision. You're just slow. You're just taking a while to get around your alignment. Uh, Watson started out well in this game, uh, 260 yards, two touchdowns, and interception. Did nothing in the second half. They don't have much of a zero game going at all. In the like, second half. Zero points in the second half. Jesus. It's just. But to be fair, like, they have no run game. Like, David Johnson had, like, 
he got he had a touchdown, he had a touchdown but he had like like about 20 yards mm. and their run defense is terrible yeah um, like if you could say like you know you don't rate James Conner but he's still got over 100 yards yeah so. but I put that on the I put that on the on the Houston yeah. team run. so like, like this Houston team sorry and again I, I, I said this last week and I'm going to reset it again this is not a good team that you beat there's none of this horseshit of Jesus we're right up there with the Baltimore Ravens like get fucked you squeaked past a Houston team that didn't score any points in the second half and had no run game and got rid of their top wide receiver for a running back that made 20 yards in this game. Beat someone of fucking quality. I know you can only beat who's in front of you, but don't start fucking yapping until you beat someone of quality. Okay, that's fair enough. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't know, like, how do you feel about Pittsburgh? Do you think they're a genuine contender against, like, the Chiefs and the, the Baltimore? I mean, I haven't watched them much this year. Um, I mean... I think their problem is that they're in a division with the Ravens and the Ravens are a very good team. The, the pieces are there for the Steelers, I suppose, but I, I find it hard to get very excited about them anyway. They, they don't really, they don't, they don't light me up in, in the way that the, the, the top teams in, in the league do. Yeah. Like, the thing, like look, they, their offense is better now with, 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 with Ben in there and they're getting production out of, like, they just constantly have a yeah. factory of wide receivers. I think if they put it, if they, it, honestly, God, if they went to the rookie running back, I think I'd be more worried about them. I actually don't rate Connor full stop. But yeah, I do think that they haven't, they haven't been put to the test yet. They've had tomato cans and like they'll say, well, Houston was a, was, was a playoff team last year. And like, yeah, you were nearly a playoff team last year with eight fucking wins. Like it doesn't mean that they were actual contenders. I think good, good to rack up the wins, but as it stands, I'm not thinking this Pittsburgh team is anything to be worried about. Solid wild card fodder, basically. Yeah, essentially, like basically the Bengals under Marvin Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carolina at the Chargers. This is a bit of a surprise. Twenty-one to sixteen. Carolina won a thing. The Chargers killed themselves. Three fourth fumbles and interception. Carolina were up five of five with Slay on the field goals. Yeah, Herbert in the red zone. Yeah, yeah, and Herbert was making mistakes. Like he, he's still good. I still quite like him. I'm, like again, I'm still standing. I'm surprised by how good he was. I didn't think he would be a, a, an even halfway decent starter in year one. But yeah, like he was making rookie mistakes. Eckler played well. They had nearly 150 on the ground just from him. Teddy looked fine. Yeah, but they're so they're so conservative. Like Teddy's just like. Because we saw when he, he replaced Drew Brees last year, as he got towards the end of it at least, he started to open up a little bit, throwing to Ted Ginn a bit. But this year, he like he looks more conservative than Drew Brees right now. And Drew Brees is like a 41-year-old who looks 41 playing football. Teddy, and Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater this year reminds me of like second or third year Alex Smith with the 49ers. Yeah. That like he just, he's, he's unsure of himself and of his body. He doesn't trust his receivers enough to be going yeah. heavy on them. And he's just like, okay, I'll just take that four-yard dump off even though I need nine yards. And it's really weird because like Robbie Anderson is like their top receiver right now, but he's playing him as like a kind of yards after the catch specialist. Yeah. Whereas Robbie Anderson in, with the Jets was a throw it over the top. He's a speed burner. Like, yeah, post route, like. just like go past him. And like DJ Moore didn't get a pass late in this game. And Curtis Samuel has been treated like a half running back at this point because obviously they're, they're, they're missing Christian McCaffrey in this game. And Mike Davis filled in. So yeah, they're just a very, very conservative team right now. Mm. You know, when they brought in Matt Rule and whatever like that, I suppose you were hoping for it would be something a bit more exciting. But yeah, the, the Chargers should have won this game. They had the chance to win it. They had the the, the, the just about failed hook and ladder play at the very oh, end. Oh, God, yeah. Was, uh, and the game, the one previous to that was like a, was a one-on-one with Keenan Allen versus Which should have been gone. I don't know how Keenan yeah. Allen didn't come down with that. Uh, so the Chargers could have won this game despite the fact that they fucked up so much, which I think tells you how good this Carolina team actually is. But, you know, sometimes uh, well, it's very Chargers to end up, uh, you know, falling on your own sword, and uh, so it happened to be in this game as well. Like I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with my my call from preseason that Teddy Bridgewater is not. He's literally there just as a as a placeholder until 
Matt Rule can pick his quarterback in the upcoming draft, I think. Because he's, he's, he's got to go up with like a six-year, seven-year contract. Like he, he's got the space to do it. Yeah. Next up, oh God. <laughs> give me give me like a, a one sentence to describe this one, Ronan. Seven to 36, the Jets, uh, Indianapolis Colts. Seven to 36, pathetic Jets gave away two pick sixes while Rivers and the rest of the team just kind of sits back. Uh, and uh, Darnold... I don't know. Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, the Colts are bad and still won by twenty nine points. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this. This is pretty similar to the game with the 49ers versus the Giants. It's just like, hey, one of these teams is at least semi competent, and the other team is a shift show. Yeah, no, it's not worth talking about either of these teams at the moment. Uh, Detroit and Arizona, 26-23. to Detroit. Just to, just to say, Detroit won yeah. this game. Yeah, I was. I, I'm surprised. Like I told you, I think Detroit are a sack of shit. Kyler. Threw some picks, uh, three interceptions, two touchdowns. It's not a great game. I love how disappointed him. you sounded. I am like because he's the thing is like he's, he still looks really fun and he was having some lovely connections with Hopkins. But yeah, like they haven't they haven't changed up their passing game all that much this year. Even with Hopkins coming in, like it still looks. Yes, he's a better receiver in that game, but yeah. it doesn't look like massively different. The run game wasn't used a huge amount. Stafford. It very unstafford like just didn't end up padding stats 270 and two touchdowns yeah a bit surprised with the amount of usage that peterson got in this yeah. like i think i think i was just getting like it's kind of you know when you like you buy a t-shirt that you don't like but you think well i paid for it so i need to get my money's worth like 22 rushes for 75 yards for the old man yeah i think that they I think Patricia was saying that they, they literally were playing the conservative game plan, just try and run out the clock type of situation because they were ahead at various points in this game before mm-hmm. they had to get the, the, they got tied up before getting the field goal to walk off. But yeah, Peterson is just like, look, he's still Adrian Peterson. You can still see the stutter step and he's still got a bit of juice. But he also, but he, 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 took, he took a 360 on like his second carry that honest to God felt like it took three seconds for him to turn yeah. around on. Like he, he he limits what an offense can do. It's, it is like going back 10 years and playing. Turning like a fucking yeah. battleship in the ocean. So it's a, like it's a very different type of offense, and it probably doesn't suit Matt Stafford, which is why he's generally been kind of like I know Galladay was out until this game, and he's still a bit banged up. But you have Matt Stafford, and you're choosing to run with Adrian Peterson when you drafted Andre Swift as a for, as a second round rookie. So, but he dropped a he dropped a sitter in the end zone in yeah. week one, so he must so be punished. For Arizona, it's a bit like that Chargers game. They probably should have won this game, but Kyler has made a few bad picks against what is really a pretty injured secondary at the moment. So. Tyler does things that make you go, Jesus fucking Christ, this guy is going to yeah. rule the league. But then he just sometimes looks a bit like lazy and doesn't quite like if he had the application of a Russell Wilson, he could genuinely be like a Tom Brady-esque kind of rule the league for 10 years or at least rule the NFC uh, with Pat Mahomes on their side. But, I just kind of like that, like that, yeah. like that, that equation on. looks like, well, if you've got the body of a Kyler Murray <laughs> and the... Work ethic of a Russell Wilson, this, and that will equal a Tom as, Brady, as even Ru- though both of them play entirely different games to Tom Brady. The, the, like as Russell Wilson likes to say, the separation is in the preparation. So we'll see. Oh, you know, God, Tyler, man. stop listening to Mister Tulin. Mister Unley. Keep that man away from microphones. Yeah. Next up, Tampa Bay at Denver Broncos, twenty-eight to ten. Not much to talk about here. Like Denver rolling out like Jeff Driscoll and Ripian Ripian who's a, related to a quarterback who used to be good apparently uh, I didn't really care he got like they got sacked six times two interceptions and two sacks 
Uh, two for Shaq Barrett, who was obviously the oh, reject yeah. child from the Denver Broncos because we have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. We don't need you. And it's like, okay, I'll just have the most sacks in the league then with Tampa Bay. <laughs> and it's like, okay, now I'm going to sack you twice. And like, look, Tom was fine. Like, he wasn't the most efficient, but three touchdowns, nearly 300 yards. And the defense did most of the work here. I think like, when they lost Godwin, it kind of slowed them down a bit. But, you know, Mike Evans is good in the red zone and Scotty Miller got 87 yards for some reason. Um, but yeah, Denver would just look a bit listless right now. Hopefully, if they get Locke back and Lindsay back, maybe the offense can get going right now. But right now, they're a two-man show with Judy and, and Fant. So, yeah. we'll see how they can get through the next couple of weeks. They need to get the quarterback back before anything can really happen. And even then, I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll see. I had higher hopes of them, but yeah, they're not looking that great this year. Dallas at Seattle. This was a good game. 31-38. to 38. Seattle win with a Dak interception after a big back-and-forth game with like a safety, a touchback, Metcalf looking incredible, but then also deciding to just you know, showboat and drop a touchdown. Before he didn't and showboat, he just slowed down he and then kind of punched out. He slowed down, he held the ball away from his thing and was like, oh, I'm just walking <laughs> into the end zone, baby. Uh, hey, when you look that good. Up. <laughs> uh, two touchdowns for Cedric Wilson. Uh, yeah. Like, looking up who he is later on. Oh, um, sometimes he had to like, ah. Yeah, so Russell Wilson, five touchdowns, 300 yards. A great Dak has a really nice stat line, 472 yards and three touchdowns, but two interceptions. Yeah, like the run games were kind of shut down on both ends. The defenses on both ends were kind of shut down. Like we said, there were some injuries to Seattle in this game. But it is interesting, like it is a very un-Seahawks-like approach of like in this game, they were just throwing, throwing, throwing. They have like short yardage on third downs and fourth downs. You're going, no, we're going to the air. Fuck the run game. And I know there's the injury to Carson, but like, yeah, they're just properly letting Russ go. Like every second drop back is just like Russ dropping back kind of like twirling about with like jumping back and forth and it's like oh Tyler Lockett or like DK Metcalf are free okay I'm just going to throw the most beautiful deep ball that you've ever seen these kind of like well, I've talked about them multiple weeks at this point but they kind of go up and then they come down like almost like gravity just suddenly decides oh, oh yes gravity of course and it just kind of drops right into the bucket and there's very little that defenders can do against them because even the ones that are slightly underthrown, the defender sees it so late and the receivers like Metcalf and Lockett are so used to it that they don't react too early. They know, oh, mm-hmm. it's here now. And that's and that kind of boxes out the defender. And obviously you get boxed out by Metcalf. Usually you're safe, except if he slows down, has his ball like by his side and the guy literally does like a falcon punch on it mm-hmm. out, out of the end zone. Fair play that defender. He got like all the way at the end zone with that punch. Yeah. I like you said, look, that's a, that's, a, that's a mistake someone makes once. So yeah. I'd be surprised if we see TK making that same mistake again. The Seahawks right now on offense look ridiculously exciting. Like they have these huge plays. Um, and like Greg Olson showed up a bit in this game, which is nice because that might mean they can move the chains a bit more reliably. But like to be fair to Dak Prescott, like they were 15 points down coming into the fourth quarter. He got them back into this game. He is a really, really good quarterback, but similar to Russell Wilson at the moment, his defense just isn't giving him any help. Yeah. And, uh, and unlike in other games, Ezekiel Elliott was kind of shut down. I think the Seahawks were like, that shut Ezekiel Elliott down. Um, but yeah, Dak was throwing it to Cedric Wilson, who got two really long touchdowns. Michael Gallup had a really big game over 100 yards. Mm. So I think like for Dallas and Seattle, they're almost the complete opposite of what we expect them to be from previous years. These are not teams that control the game, run the ball. These are two teams that are in boat races every single week. And I don't know if either of their coach, well, I, I certainly see uh, like Carroll doesn't want that to happen. I'm not sure on Mike McCarthy, but uh, for fans uh, and for certain neutral viewers, it makes both these teams uh, absolute uh, essential viewing every week. Yeah, and also just a, a newsflash to any of the other NFC East fans, the record doesn't reflect the quality of this 
Bengals yeah. team. They are head and shoulders above all the rest of them. I, I think they're probably the best team in the NFC East. Yes, I don't think that says <laughs> it an awful lot. I think they're very error-prone. I think they there's a there's parts of this team that don't work very well. I, I think it's, again, the situation that you have with Dallas every single year. They start to believe their own hype, and then they don't actually live up to it. I mean, I, we had the... My favorite moment of almost every year is, is the moment in week three or week four when Troy Aikman realizes that the Cowboys aren't going to live up to the hype uh, <laughs> this year. It happened in this game at about somewhere, I think it was sometime in the second quarter, there was some blown coverage so or, or penalty, and you could just hear his voice deflating going on. <sighs> Um, I I think they'll win the division and make the playoffs that way. I don't see them doing much beyond that, to be honest. With I don't know, like this thing, like I I I can see exactly. Like, so their defense is weak, and they're missing a couple of pieces there. Like Van der Etch is gone, mm. a few ones like that. But it does, like I do get the feeling that they're the kind of team that if they can make it into the playoff, like Dak can have those big games. Like this is uh, realistically, it's an oddity that Elliott isn't performing here. They've got probably legitimately three number one style wide receiver like, that if they, if they hit if they hit it at the right time they can do it and I can see them getting the ticket so yeah. like, what's that old line that they used to always play over and over on Madden if you don't buy a ticket you can't win the lottery <laughs> <laughs> like they've kind of turned into the Tony Romo era yeah, yeah probably back into that like they kind of boom bust like, it's like you, 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 could get, you could get a 53 to 52 game out of them and then the next week they'll put up 12 points like it's uh be entertaining, but yes, yeah, so it just seems to me that there's every time I watch the Cowboys, and it isn't all that often to be fair. Every time I watch them, they have at least three or four massive errors by by a member of the team, and uh, it just seems to be a consistent feature of the past ten years of the Cowboys. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Green Bay, New Orleans, thirty-seven to thirty. Green Bay won out in this kind of wide receiver one missing contenders match. Rogers, two hundred eighty yards and three touchdowns, continues to the fuck. Did you draft another quarterback for me, Tyler? <laughs> Um, Boy, you. <laughs> um, there ain't no love here. Without Adams, he finds Lazard 146 in a touchdown, and um, running game kept going in as well. Breeze looks surprisingly decent for a man who can't throw up beyond four yards at the moment 288 yards and three touchdowns. But it was all the Alvin Kamara show uh, nearly 200 yards, two touchdowns. Both defenses looked shaky in this, but. Janice, I don't think it was ever really that much in doubt for Green Bay that I think like you always had a feeling that they had the ability to go. It's okay. tight. It's a tight game right to the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just like I, the problem was is like I could see Green Bay in the form they're in at the moment, just going, okay, I can score in forty six seconds if I need to score to end this game. Whereas I just didn't get that feeling from the New Orleans Saints at all. Yeah, I mean, Rodgers did break out some really impressive throws when they needed it um, and got a couple of touchdowns basically on his own. He's had a lovely flick. Yeah, he's just got that little little wrist action on the end. Uh, Because it's a a podcast medium, (laughs) Bizarre looks like we're kind of saying hello while tipping a cowboy hat. Or like country hello. Yeah, yeah. He, he can throw perfect balls when he needs to, which is, you know, what you want to watch from a quarterback, I suppose. But it was tight. I mean, like, Kamara was on. He was oh, very yeah. impressive. The 52-yard one that he bas- run that he basically made of his own, despite there being nothing there, was, was just very impressive. And, I mean, Breeze was defaulting to throwing to him when nothing else was going on. Yeah. A lot. So you'd worry about the Saints being so... Reliant on that, uh, at least until the, the kind of the receiver core yeah. gets back to, to full strength. Yeah, and there, there, there's rumors that Thomas might be back for next week. Mm-hmm. So fingers crossed, particularly for me, who hasn't been too fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's just like that upside. I think Rodgers is showing like he, he's up there with the best of the NFC, like up with Russell Wilson at the moment. And I think that just made the difference in this game. I think it's like both, both teams kind of look kind of similar, mm-hmm. but the fact that, you know, 
he, Rogers can make Alan Lazard look great, whereas so, Alvin Kamara is a great player who just yeah. Yeah. had to work hard. The thing is, like, we also like to be fair, like Lazard and Valdez Scantling and all these guys, like that is a better collection of wide receivers than the Saints have behind Thomas. Like, because I think like Sanders, he's, he's two years since he was properly speedy and he could do some of the stuff they wanted. Yeah, like, maybe. They don't. They don't have the. They don't have the depth that like yes, Green Bay's receivers aren't all like top end guys, but like the whole career has been without top end guys with maybe one top end guy at any given time. They've got. I would. I would take Alan Lazard over taking Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, but like, would you take Robert Tonyan over like Jared Cook? Like, it's like I don't, I don't think like if you. To be honest, if I'm Rogers, I'm not looking at tight ends. Yeah, well, I'm you, looking deep down If you yeah. swap, if you swap these like uh, other weapons when you remove the best weapon, uh, or at least remove the best receiver from both, like you know, like like the thing is, Breeze is sitting there, and he, the, the best weapon they have, yeah. even with Thomas, is Kamara. Like yeah. Kamara is game and he's still there. Yeah, but I think it would just be used like you know the fact that they can't throw deep is just such a because even Tom Brady can throw a decent yeah. deep ball. But Reeves just genuinely looks a bit yeah, no, manic where bit, yeah. he just can't do that at the moment. And it's no, very, very worrying for them to be a genuine, like, proper NFC contender. I don't think Tessa Pinnell is ready to step up. Oh, God, no, not at all. I don't think that. Bring back Teddy. Yeah. <laughs> Kansas City at Baltimore. The clash of the Titans on Monday Night Football ended up a lot more one So called Titans, says Connor. <laughs> so called Titans. Uh, 34 to 20. Yeah, Kansas City kind of. Started off okay, held it in check, and then just decided to go fucking nuts in the second quarter. Put up 21 points at that point and choked out Baltimore. Uh, Mahomes, nearly 400 yards, four touchdowns through the air, one on the ground. They decided, let's mix it up. So the ex-number one pick left tackle, Fisher, scored a touchdown. Our fullback, Anthony, the sausage, Sherman, scored a touchdown. Wildcat adventures, like it was great. And the defense, so Lamar was limited to 97 yards passing and 80 yards rushing. There was nothing, nothing in this. Like the, the the thirty-four to twenty even flatters it because seven points came from a from a kick return and the Chiefs were just taking the foot off the break at the back end. Sure, the the kicker missed a field goal and an extra point and it didn't even make a difference. The the Chiefs are any team that I've seen the the, the offense that can score at will um, and they just need to score. They they tend to score as much as they want to and in this game they were up by about seventeen at one point and then they just stopped scoring. Let the let the Ravens back in and then decided to start scoring again. And if they, I mean, the offense is unstoppable when it's on form. Um, it's hard to see anyone preventing them from winning the Super Bowl. To be honest with you, so yeah, I'm worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, so when, uh, like I said, I'm Holmes, he good. <laughs> pretty fucking good. Uh, yeah, like Baltimore. Look, there are some positive take. Like obviously, Reed just knows how to scheme them. They've played four times in this. Uh, yeah. In in, in in this Lamar era, and they Lamar and the Ravens are yet to win one of them. I love Lamar, but they were just outclassing. I think the big concern for them is that you know the statistics going around after this game, but the record when they're down at halftime. I think that is the big question: can they add? Can Lamar add the skill set, or can they add the skill set of the whole team to make these big plays, these big, quick, just scoring points where they're in obvious passing situations? And right now, Lamar, look, he's he's improved. He's certainly improved, but he's still not there as kind of a do everything quarterback it kind of feels against these teams that have figured them out we'll move on now to the games for next week where I'm looking forward to where some of these teams are playing so first up we have Thursday Night Football Denver at the Jets Ugh. oh god this is a terrible game so you have like Jeff Driscoll or this Arabian guy or I think that they got Blake Portals in there so maybe they'll play him but like look, we're playing 
we're picking Denver just because we just hate the Jets and we want Adam Gates yeah. to be fired. I'm trusting um, the rumors that he'll be fired if yeah, they lose. And so. yeah, the Jets are just that bad. They might lose to this Denver team. And yeah, we kind of, of want it to happen. Uh, New Orleans is Detroit next. Uh, we've both got from New Orleans and Sean's gone for Detroit. Thomas might be back, but should improve them a bit. I am also, to be honest, mostly basing this on the fact that I think Detroit are shite. But I also know that I am definitely on the stronger side of them being shite than others. Uh, Sean? I'm mostly just being provocative. I think Detroit are better than most people are thinking. I think the win over the Cardinals was quite an impressive thing um, to have done. The Saints, I just don't see it. I mean, I think this is a team that is quite limited um, other than Kamara. So, I I mean, in reality, the Saints probably will win, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than than both of you picking the Saints would suggest. Fair enough. Chargers at Tampa Bay? Uh, We're going for Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay are just a team that's more solid. I think they should be able to get Herbert under pressure. Uh, I think Toronto will probably not be in this game again. Like the Chargers, look, if they can get Bosa on, you know, uh, Tom Brady hates pressure up the middle, so I hear, uh, and if they can get pressure on Brady, maybe they can get this uh, offense out of sync, especially without Godwin there. But I think Tampa Bay, that defense should do enough to kind of keep them, uh, you know, just ahead enough of this game that they can get it done in the end. But uh, it's certainly, it's kind of an interesting mid-table match. Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville is Cincinnati. I've gone for Cincinnati. You two guys have gone for Jacksonville. Uh, look, Minshew camped down a little bit last week. They saw some of the exposure. The thing is, Cincinnati's defense is shite, so they'll be able to... This will probably be a high-scoring game, I'd imagine. Yeah. Jacksonville's defense aren't great. Hopefully, Burrow doesn't get murdered with another eight sacks. I'm just, I'm just really enjoying watching Burrow at the moment. I like their weapons, and I like... I genuinely think this will be an entertaining one to watch the highlights of, but I'm not sure I'd want to watch the full three hours. Yeah. This is red zone fodder right here. And yeah. Touchdown perfect, for not much quality. Yeah, perfect big play stuff. Uh, Minnesota at Houston. Yeah, we've gone for Houston. Like, look, Houston are not a bad team. They've just played pretty good teams. We saw against Pittsburgh that they put up a decent fight there. And Minnesota, look, they they lost a heartbreaker against Tennessee. I don't think either of us trust Minnesota. No. Uh, but Houston are below 500, so they have a shot. They do, yeah. That is the problem. You can always, you always just guarantee if Minnesota play a team that's 500 or above, they'll lose. They always do. Yeah, it's uh, Houston are own tree, so, you know. Yes, it's very You have hard. a shot, Minnesota. You have a chance. We'll we'll do you have a chance. Uh, Seattle and Miami, we're both gone. we've all gone for Seattle. Sean? Yeah, Seattle are very good. And Miami are less good. Uh, <laughs> that's true. The, the Wilson, the receivers, everything. I mean, Seattle are a really good team. The defense, not so great, but. They're better than mine. Yeah, yeah. It could be a surprisingly high scoring game, but yeah, Seattle show. Yeah, I look forward to, to watching uh to watching Fitzmagic do his do his thing against your slightly depleted secondary. <laughs> <laughs> Pittsburgh at Tennessee. Pittsburgh's? Yeah, I think we've gone for Pittsburgh. This is just like these are both kind of solid games, lean on the run game. Tennessee probably a better run game, but both yeah. definitely in theory want to lean on their defense. So Pittsburgh's the only defense that's really showing up so far. Like I think Tannehill. The big thing for him is if Pittsburgh start blitzing coming after him, can he get it out quickly uh, to Corey Davis and to Johnny Smith? Like they're like they're like they had like some claims for Khalif Raymond this week, but I think for 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 Tannehill, we're not sure what to expect here. Um, so for Pittsburgh, look, I, I think we're both. Even though you don't rate Pittsburgh, I just think that Tennessee are. are there's something less than I feel like if Pittsburgh got to the playoffs I'd trust them more and that's what I'm going to yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's just the strength of that defense to be yeah. honest uh, Cleveland and Dallas we both gone for Dallas and Sean you've gone for Cleveland yeah I just don't even... buy the Dallas thing What's, I mean you were forgetting that Dallas were almost hammered by the Falcons two weeks ago like this is not a team 
That is... Uh, Every team that plays the Falcons are nearly <laughs> happy. That's what Troy Aikman cry, don't <laughs> I, Yeah, I, I just want the, the Cowboys to go 1-3 and, and I want Aikman to, to voice to, to slowly mm-hmm. break as things go along. And I, I believe in the Browns. I mean, the Browns are... I think 3-1 and one would be a very nice fit on the Browns, you know, to be two <laughs> games over 500. Oh, that'd be God, that's probably been decades. Uh, yeah, very 2020. Yeah. I, I will say actually, yeah, the one thing that would be worrying me is that Dallas defense is weakened, and that Cleveland running game is legit. So that could be a good point to watch. Arizona at Carolina, we've both gone for Arizona. We've all gone for Arizona. Yeah, look, Carolina were lucky in how the last game went. Arizona, I think, were unlucky in how the last game went. I don't see it being uh, multiple picks against this Carolina defense unless something goes terribly wrong. No. And I just don't see the Carolina defense being able to get stuff moving as quickly as they did. Arizona just run a bit more. Like, it, yeah. it'll help. It's all they need to do. Indianapolis, Chicago. Uh, Fitz is on an island for the Indianapolis. And uh, me and me and Sean are backing Big Dick Nick <laughs> for a 4 0 Chicago Bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, look, like the Colts, I, I know they've underperformed so far, but I think they're just a solid team. They have the core of what they're going to do. Like, Rivers, yeah, he makes mistakes, but I think he, he, he's, he's t- he dialed it back this week, expecting to be more conservative and then lean a bit more on John and Taylor. I think this, like, even though we have big Nick Nick, I don't expect this to be like a very, like, super exciting game. I think both teams might be incentivized to kind of play it slower. And like Lena Montgomery for Chicago, Lena Taylor for Indianapolis. So yeah, I think both these teams might want to make this a bit of more of a bear fight. And I could just see the Colts have a bit more about them in that situation. But yeah, but if it's a bear fight, I'm going to back the Bears. <laughs> uh, a bear versus a Colt in a fight, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what my buddies are. Bear, come into your playground. You've got your child. Nom, nom, nom. So Sean, we've all gone for Baltimore against the Washington football teams. Uh, hmm. Why is that? That seems like an odd call. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I believe in the teams. Uh, I, I believe that they have solved for all their racism problems maybe by getting rid of that one name. Um, but, you know, honestly, it, it's a derby as well, actually. That's a cross-the-river derby. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Ravens are good. They're not as good as, as the Chiefs, but but uh, I believe in Lamar. I think I think the receiving core that he's working with is fantastic. But I think there's enough there to beat a, a Washington team that really doesn't have anything no. beyond, uh, about them beyond a certain level. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, the next game, we don't even really need to talk about, do we? Giants at the Rams? We've yeah. all gone for the Rams. Rams are good. Giants are Giants can't play football. Yeah, 100%. Next one, probably the biggest game of the week. Be my pick normally, New England at Kansas City. Um, I thought it was the other way around. I thought we were at New England, but then I realised we've been doing that for six years, and now we get to have the swap around when Tom Brady's gone. Yeah, we've all gone for KC, apart from Sean, who's gone for New England. Uh, they just can't. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I genuinely think it's going to be a very interesting game because I think New England provided a very different kind of matchup problem for the Chiefs than we've had so far. I think Belichick has shown in previous years that he has our number defensively. They've had, what, of the last three games we've had two of them, they've basically shut us out for the first half and then we've adjusted and it's a question of will that continue because there is a lack of defensive personnel because of the opt-outs and everything. I like what New England can do with the run game. I think our defence albeit that they show up well against Baltimore, have been weak against the run game in recent in recent weeks. So there is a, there is, there is a chance there, but I just think this will probably be exciting. I, just, I do actually love watching Cam play as well, so I think it'll be a very fun game to watch. But I think, yeah, I, I feel Casey alleged in the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I'm dreaming of, them, of the Pats channeling the 2018 um, AFC uh, Championship, yeah. at least the first half, anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I, mean, I, I mean, honestly, it... it the Chiefs will probably edge this if I have to be brutally honest with myself. But the the Pats, even though they've, they've lost personnel and Gilmore isn't as good as he was last year, it's still an elite defense that can crush teams when necessary. Belichick has proven that he can 
um, outsmart this 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 KC yeah. offense would need be. It is a question, I suppose, of if, when the Chiefs start scoring, which they inevitably will. Will the Pats have enough points uh, on the board, and can they keep up um, if it becomes yeah. a, a points race? I would say expect New England to try and run the clock an awful lot in this, and also expect probably Kelsey to be very well contained. Belichick always tries to take away that and he was a big chain mover for us in the last game. I'd have, if I, if I have my fantasy hat on, I'd be looking at Sammy Watkins for a big game because they'll be bracketing Hill and they'll probably do something to get rid of Kelsey. So it'll be Hardman and, 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 uh, maybe CH too. Yeah, yeah, I think that'll be an interesting one to see because we've had we've had good success with running backs on the ground against New England. If you remember Hunt's opening game, mm. uh, was something else. Um, next up, Buffalo at Vegas. I've gone for Vegas. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, to be honest, like Buffalo. I, I, think, are... I, think, I think I think I think it was mostly because at the time we only disagreed on one. Changes <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, do you know what you're right? I'm going to go because I was I've talked myself into Josh Allen earlier as well. But, uh, yeah, look, look, yeah. Josh Allen is playing. He he's made some. Uh, Different changes to his uh, his technique. It's made a huge difference. I think the Vegas Raiders, uh, New Vegas Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, depending how you want to. I I I kind like call them the New Vegas Raiders because mm. all I references. But like <laughs> Buffalo, look, I think Allen looks really good. He's willing to throw it downfield. He can do it accurately now. He's making the other throws pretty effectively. Like certainly at a, a decent, uh, adequate quality. And they have a good running back in Singletary and Moss is pretty good if he comes back as well. And the defense, look, it's underperformed, but I could see it being able to contain what's a fairly Jacobs Waller oriented defense. Like I think they'll they'll study the tape from last week, shut those two down as much as they can. And Vegas, like they play a very slow, methodical game. And I think Buffalo finally have a kind of are a kind of team that actually is happy to kind of let them do that and then just score points on them when they when they have to. Ball. Yeah, I've decided not to undo my pick. I remember why <laughs> I did this now. I was like, yeah, Buffalo have to travel across them. I like them having a bit of a spike because they were they were very good in week two, and I think we'll see getting back towards that. I don't actually rate this Buffalo defense particularly highly, and I think mm-hmm. the the lackluster performance we saw from the new Vegas Raiders was actually due to the scheming of Belichick rather than actually a lack of power on that on, on that offense. I like Waller. I like Jacobs. I like the young guy on the outside. They have the wide receiver Rugs, is it? Yeah. Uh, I like I like what they've got on offense. I thought Carr looked good, and I think this Buffalo defense is ripe for a little bit of picking. I think this could end up being a fairly high scoring game. Uh, Philly at San Francisco. Ugh. This is Sunday night football. It's a bad game. Yeah, just just go to bed after the early games. Yeah, and Forty Niners. Look, some fails again. 49ers should be all right. They should have enough here to beat Philly. Philly yeah. are just Philly are, Philly are floating and they've just lost their tight end as well. So they've even less receiving options. It's just grim. And then Atlanta at Green Bay. How many points will Green Bay spot Atlanta before they go at them? Yeah, they just won't turn up for the first three quarters. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's 35 to three. Okay, let's get going. 35 to three. 35 to three minus seven. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, like look, let's be honest. Green Bay are a good team. Atlanta aren't the worst team, but they're just bad at winning, which is a bad quality to have as a football team. And yeah, I think Green Bay can get this done on Monday Night Football and, and they should have Devante Adams back and we'll see him get fed once again. So. Yeah, this is going to be... Look, Atlanta... I think I think, the one, I think the one plus side is this is a game that I don't see them being up by like double digits and then failing. Yeah. I think they will be behind for most of this game. Yeah, they'll feel better. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that wraps us up for that. Uh, any crack at yourselves for the weekend other than obviously football? Uh, no, nothing too crazy planned. Like I had some plans for next month in terms of making it back home for a bit and uh, maybe heading up to Galway for a bit of time. But 
now with uh, the current uh, trajectory of the COVID situation, I'll have, maybe have to review that. So yeah, I was making some plans and then the plans are getting cancelled. That seems to be 2020 in a nutshell, right? Mm-hmm. What about yourself, Sean? Yeah, looking forward to another court lockdown. Yeah, that's going to be great. <laughs> that seems like yeah. it's on the cards, yeah. I, I've got like plans to head up the country to do essentially baby visiting of all the babies that have been born while I was away in Iraq. I still bless them and bring them into the church, you know. <laughs> um, so up to Cavan and then down to Roscommon. But uh We'll see because we're going to stop off in Galway en route. But as it stands, we might have an impending lockdown in a couple of counties in Ireland, so we might have to rearrange some of those plans. Mm. I'll have to do some drive around them, you know. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll, I'll have to Google tonight and see what the uh, see what the cancellation policy on that hotel was. Uh, but yeah, so I suppose that'll do us for now. As always, you can fire us questions on the Facebook page or on Twitter and that stuff. We must actually go back and check the Twitter for a bit. We've got a, probably a packed lap. That's a dead platform. Oh yeah, we're on TikTok now. Come watch us dance or something. I don't know. Um, Yes. Yeah. Vines yeah. with Chinese uh, surveillance. Um, <laughs> and yeah. face recognition. It's fine. Oh, excellent. Uh, that's what I want. Uh, so I suppose for now, it's uh, bye for myself, bye from Tits. Bye. Bye from Jean. Bye. This has been also a photo session. Listen to the chat tonight.